here. Hey, we are doing a new series on loving your neighbor as yourself. And this is one of those things, and I appreciate this, Pastor Sam, that you do this. Sam, he says, hey, would you be willing to speak on this topic? And you'd be willing to research this? And sometimes on those, I'm middle or end or beginning on that, like you are, Sam. Thank you for that privilege. But one thing that happens when you study the Word of God is he draws you into it and shows you things you haven't seen before. That ever happened to you? Pretty exciting. Someone just told me, sad story, someone just told me about a pastor of a pretty large church that didn't prepare any of his own sermons. He went somewhere else, he got the sermons, and then he preached them and passed them off as his sermons. Somebody saw that sermon somewhere else and said, boy, that sounded really like our sermon Sunday. So they went back and looked and found that this pastor, sadly, had been just taking this stuff, plagiarizing it, and using it. Wouldn't be bad if you said, hey, I heard this great story, or I got this great sermon, or someone preached this, let me share it with you. We're like, okay, that's okay. You just want to be the mouthpiece on that sermon, but you don't want to represent it as your own deal, right? That's like going into a class in social studies, and they wanted you to write a paper on Argentina, and you found one online, and you're like, oh, here's a good paper on Argentina, and you put your name on it. Now what have we got? Yeah, we sure do. So this guy got fired because of that. And as the person told me this yesterday, I said, you know, what's sad about that is that for me, one of the greatest things about reading the Bible and sermon preparation is you learn things in the process you didn't know. Has that ever happened? Oh, man, it's like, I didn't know that. You guys will probably know what I'm about to share on this passage this morning, but I didn't. And so we're all kind of in this growing space where none of us have all the answers, but we know the one who has all the answers. Amen, baptism guy? First name? Josh. Josh. That was so cool. That was so cool. How old are you, Josh? Oh, it's a great, great story. So we leave this up here in case anyone else like, I want to get baptized. I was reading a saw a video last night of a church that they had spontaneous baptisms. I think it was uh, end of June. And one guy that had been watching their service online drove 300 miles and wanted to be baptized. And so many other people were inspired by this. People just started popping up and like, if he's driving 300 miles, I'm jumping in the water. And do you always have extra towels? Okay, so it's like we will ultimately get dry at some level. It's great. So responding, Josh, God bless you. Responding to the Holy Spirit, learning when we're studying the Word of God. I appreciate sermons. I appreciate what people say to me. I appreciate what the Lord does in bringing me truth. But boy, when he's revealing things to us, he's doing it for a reason. And this morning, as we work through the loving your neighbor thing, I just had, for me, it was just like, wow, revelation. Again, you probably know it, but it's revelation for me. So let's take a read on this passage. I think we'll get it. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 25. 
and we will read that. Can you read it with me? On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it, said Jesus. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, and I can read this for you, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Key term. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So true, so too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, which is a day's wages. What is that, $400 now, $300, $500? And gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you have. Which of these three, the priest, the Levite, or the Samaritan, was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Got a little video here I wanted you to see that I think will kind of illustrate some of the stuff going on here. It's uh, from a song back in the day, but I think some of you will recognize it. Tell you what, I'll do some stuff here. And then you can, you guys back there can maybe find the volume, and I'll just provide some intro. Is that okay? Great. Excellent. Okay. So the idea of who is my neighbor, although you would think it's shared many, many times in Scripture, and loving my neighbor just ten times in all the Bible, in those 66 books, just ten times do you hear this. Where's the first time scripture says, love your neighbor as yourself? Anybody? It's a book you wouldn't expect it. What are the books that are super hard to read in the Bible? What's a hard one? Leviticus. Leviticus, this law, this ceremonial law that they're trying to help the priests and Levites follow through on, right in the middle of Leviticus is this verse that says, love your neighbor as yourself. So then in this passage, where this teacher of the law is trying to test Jesus and say, hey, you know, what do I have to be do to inherit eternal life? It's an interesting question. I don't know if you've ever had anyone ask you that question. 
What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? What do I have to do to go to heaven? Somebody just comes and asks you that question. Jesus was bold enough to say, well, what do you think? How do you read the law? He knew who he was. And as some Jewish rabbis taught, that was a significant verse. So he says, Deuteronomy 6.5, love God with all your soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he's quoting Deuteronomy 6.5, quoting Leviticus 19.18. So Jesus says, good, do this and you will live. And the guy somehow thinks, well, of course, I'm going to get Jesus. And who's my neighbor? You ever in school and you answer a question and they're like, good answer, nice job. And then you're like, I've got more in me. And then you've gone one too far on the questions. And now you're looking bad. You know what I'm talking about? That's what happened here. So Jesus says, I will tell you who your neighbor is. And then he tells a story. Now, there's nine other times in Scripture where loving your neighbor is mentioned. One of them is where Jesus points out to the rich young ruler who thought he'd done everything. He points out all these commandments. And then he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. That blows my mind that he points out these five or so of the Ten Commandments that the rich young ruler possibly wasn't doing. And then he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then the rich young ruler goes away sad because what? Great wealth wasn't willing to give it up because one of those commandments don't covet. Seems like he was violating that. And Jesus was trying to get him, hey, man, just sell your stuff and come follow me. But he wouldn't do it. Three times in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this same passage comes up of Jesus saying the greatest commands are love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. Those are the greatest commands. Continuing to go through these 10 references. Romans chapter 13, Paul's talking and he says, let no debt remain Outstanding, but the continual debt to love one another. We can always do that. And he quotes, love your neighbor as yourself. Paul's quoting this now. In Galatians, Paul's writing to this church that was having conflict. And he says, be careful you don't bite and devour each other because you're going to pay the price for that. We're supposed to love our neighbors as ourselves. So he brings it into a local church context. And then in James chapter 2, James, the half-brother of Jesus, same mother, different father, he quotes and calls it the royal law. And why don't we take a look there, James chapter 2. This is pretty cool. There's not many times in scripture that a verse gets labeled as a law or the golden rule. What's the golden rule? 
you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's right. So in James chapter 2, verse 8, it says it this way. If you really keep the, what's the term? Royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. And the context there in James 2 is, you guys are giving way to the rich and the powerful, and they're the ones that drag you into court and make you pay. James is saying, don't give in to the rich and the powerful. Does this sound somewhat familiar? It's interesting to me. Don't give in to the rich and powerful and, and say, here, come to church and sit in this nice place, and to the poor person, you sit down here by my foot, and you, you sit over here. James is saying, if you do that, you're violating the royal law, which is love your as your... I find that interesting. Because at points, our society seems to be further polarizing between the haves and the haves not. And we try and are encouraged to kind of look by the have nots and give credence and time and effort to the haves and elect them and give them money and do all these things because they've got all these decisions. James didn't buy that. James is saying, and I love it, He's saying, don't show favoritism to people. Be a good neighbor and love your neighbor. Wow. So this is where, as I was kind of studying through things, they're like, I'm not sure this is exactly what Pastor Sam was looking for, but we're going to go for it. We are. So then that story that Jesus gives, and it's the only one in the Gospels, the story of the... Jericho and the Good Samaritan there. Then he gives that story. Jesus does this so well. He, when someone's asking for an answer that's black and white, he says, well, let me tell you a story. You ever have someone like that in your life where you're, you're looking for something specific and they're like, I'm not going to give you black and white. I'm going to give you the whole rainbow on this story. And that's what he did here. For those that are just learning of scripture, the issue on Samaritans were that Samaritans, even though they lived right next to Israel, the Israelis hated them because they were kind of a half-breed that had kind of intermarried with the Israelis, the Jewish people. And so the Jews tried to keep them separate because they wanted to kind of maintain their pure religion and marginalize people. So like the song said, they hated the Samaritan who ended up helping the Jewish man that had been marginalized by the road and beat up and hit. So two other guys were walking down there. Who were the others? A priest and a... And thought of why the priest and Levite, these religious guys, didn't come over and help him? Anybody? Unclean, meaning... 
not worthy. What would happen if they touched a dead body? They would what? They would be what? And then they would not be able to what? Go to the temple and do their religious business. Right. Well, here's one of the issues, though. The writer, Jesus, says the guy was half dead. He was half dead. Had they touched him, no problem. But they were so concerned about their religious duties and keeping their religious things looking good, they're like, not going to chance it. I'll leave him on his own. going to do my thing so I can punch the clock, do what I'm supposed to do religiously. Not good. Sometimes we're headed point A to point B. I get it. We've got things we've got to go. We've got a three-minute window at work. We've got things we need to do. And we see somebody and we're like, mm, mm, got to go. Somebody else will take it. God bless them. And we keep going. Or that person is that person's so far beyond me so far beyond what I can do. We're down. We're doing what we think we need to do. Maybe missing the opportunity that would not only change your day, but that person's life, potentially for ever. I'm going to a job one day, back in the day, young, 20s, I was working at a radio station, and I saw this guy um, had a flat tire. So I pulled off, and I said, hey, what's going on? He says, oh, I've got a flat tire, but I'm okay. I've got all my stuff here in this van. And apparently, I can't, this has been like 40 years. can't quite remember the conversation, but we made contact. I went to work. I drove back the same way, Van still there. Okay, he was a lieutenant at Fort Ord in Monterey, California. He was in, uh, at Fort Ord. I was living in there. We were pastoring, just started. So I stopped in, and, and I talked with Brad and ultimately had a nice conversation. We got the thing going, and Brad ended up receiving Christ. His life changed, the trajectory of his life changed, every part of it changed from that encounter. His wife, his four kids, they're all walking with Christ. His parents saw the change. His men that he led as he moved up the ladder in the army saw the change. It was all from this encounter that he had with Christ when I saw a van by the road that had some issue, and I just stopped and tried to do a little bit of help, came back, he's still there, changed his life. My son tells this story. I had him, he lives in Scotland. He wrote me this email. I asked him about it. I, I get the facts wrong sometimes, so I wanted him to be able to tell us. If you've heard me preach, you're like, I don't think he said it that way last time. Okay. So, this is my son, Ryan, third son. I was in Nepal for five weeks. 
The last two weeks, I was volunteering at an orphanage. The orphanage had one guest room with two beds, where I met another volunteer. He was an 18-year-old kid from London who had been in Nepal for a month and had contracted a waterborne illness at some point. A few days after I arrived, I caught this waterborne illness myself and passed out while trying to walk to the bathroom. The orphanage people called me an ambulance and I went to the emergency room that night, I think it's in Kathmandu, but was released after receiving antibiotics and hydrating fluids. Two days later, my roommate, this 18-year-old Tom, and I were chilling in our room when he suddenly started convulsing and was launched off the bed due to his convulsions. Wow. He came to about a minute after complaining about his shoulder. So we went to the hospital again. He was very worried about being able to pay as he only had about $100 to his name. I assured him I would take care of him and he would and he could pay me back. He ended up needing to have his shoulder reset and have a CAT scan performed. We were in two hospitals for about 12 hours that day, and we ended up having to pay a significant amount. They only accepted cash, and they don't have insurance companies or national health care there. I was old enough to know, I think he's about 28, I was old enough to know that I shouldn't expect him to pay me back, which was fine. He ended up doing something which was a bonus to me. I was happy to help him out. He had a lot of struggles, and I was happy to serve him. Have you ever been in a situation where you are completely at the mercy of someone that you don't know because you're in a problem situation? So you've got a problem. You don't know who to go to, and you're having now to depend on somebody who seems to have come forth to help, but you don't know him. Anybody ever had that happen? You got it? You got it? Got it right there? Why don't you share that one? Pop up here. I'm thinking maybe you had one of those. Yeah. Renee. Everyone say, good morning, Renee. Uh, I was a single mom and had three kids, and I had attended a church in Oregon City one time, and the Lord told me, I want you to sponsor this child uh, from Compassion. And I said, Lord, I don't have any money. <laughs> How can I sponsor this child? And so I kind of walked away, but I looked down at the table, had my same birthday, and I was like, so I sponsored the child, and then I went home, and I had filled out a card in the benevolence thing, and I said I, I didn't have any money. I had no food. And so um, they showed up and gave me, like, they filled every cupboard. I didn't know who they were. They also, it was at Christmas time, and they brought me a tree and all the gifts I could have for three kids. It was the best Christmas. They still remember it. Oh <laughs> it was amazing. Do you... Do you connect the commitment to sponsor this child to the people doing what they did for you? I, I don't think so, because okay. I don't think they knew that I did that. Right. I think they, they read the card, they prayed, and I think they were called to bless me, and they did. Lovely. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. 
Great story. I know who did connect the dots, right? Wow, great story. Anyone else? Maybe, okay, ma'am, pop up here if you will. First name? Joanne. Everyone say, good morning, Joanne. Love it. Joanne wants in on this. I love it. It's great. <laughs> well, this was before I became a Christian. And I was working at a tavern. And um, there was this um, alcoholic man. And he was a lovely man. I really liked him a lot. And uh, so um, he had a problem of... He needed some money, and I don't know what it was for, but he needed $200. And I thought, and I really loved him, but I was really uh, fresh from a divorce. I didn't have much money myself, but I was working, and I said, I'll give it to you if you, if you will give it to me uh, Friday. And he said, I promise, I promise, I will, I'll do that. And I said, okay. So he, was, he worked for my boss at, at the tavern. And um, <clears throat> so I gave him the money. Came Friday. He didn't have, he didn't pay me. And um, I was desperate because that was my rent money. And I was totally desperate. I didn't know what to do. But I see, I didn't know Jesus at that time. And um, so I went to the boss, my boss. Well, he worked for him doing roofing. And he did get, he got the money and he gave it to me. And this is the, this is the moral of the story, is that I didn't know Jesus but Jesus knew me, and he took care of me, and I didn't even know him. Awesome. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Thank you. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. Lovely. Lovely. So Jesus, in the story, at the end of the story, back there in the book of Luke, he did this thing that just blows my mind, or as one of my friends from Kenya says, nukes up my brain. So he has the priest and the Levite coming down. They pass by on the other side because they think he's dead. I think people are still worthwhile even though they're half dead. How about you? Some of us were there, not all of us. So he comes to him, he bandages his wounds, he pours on oil and wine, he puts him on his donkey, he takes him to the inn, gives the innkeeper money to take care of him, and look after him and says, I'll reimburse you for any expense you may have. That's the story. Then Jesus says to the, tax, or the uh, lawyer, he says, which of the three, what were the three? Priest? Levite? Samaritan, okay. Which of the three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Watch the switch. The verse is, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now he says, 
which of them was a neighbor, not love your neighbor, but was a neighbor. I'm, I'm sitting, going through my studies, Pastor, and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. You just changed everything. It just all changed. This whole story was about loving your neighbor. And now he asked the, ta- the lawyer, who was a neighbor? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And then Jesus says, go and do likewise. Wow. Wow. I, I just got stopped on this whole thing that to me, see what you think, but to me, Jesus is shifting things from looking for situations, which is still appropriate, to love our neighbors. And the word neighbor means one near, somebody we're near. And Jesus made the point earlier, our neighbor isn't just someone who's Jewish. And I think that's when they were quoting this, one of the quotes that Jesus corrected, he says, you've heard it said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Jesus corrects that and says to pray for your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So he's kind of blurring the lines here. But to me, what really changes is that he says the goal is to be a good neighbor all the time, not just opportunities where you love your neighbor, and that's good. That's great. But somehow Jesus is saying that God wants to inculcate or put in our lives this love that flows through him, through us, to others, so we can be a good neighbor. How often? That's right. I was online a week ago, and it just this thing popped up about a wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings that was driving with his Uber driver in, Minnes- in uh, I don't think they're in Minnesota, I think they're somewhere else. And they came under this underpass and there was this car on fire under the underpass. So they stopped and they went over and they were afraid the car was gonna blow up and the bags had already deployed, they could see it, but they're like, oh, we better stay away. And then they looked in there and they saw there was somebody in there. And like, oh, we got it, but is it going to blow? And, and why the wide receiver's thinking about it, his Uber driver goes past him, wide receiver gets in there, he's strong, he pulls the guy out, and the guy is saved. News reports get a part of this. They put the wide receiver on the air, they're interviewing him, first name's KJ. And he said, well, you know, I'm just right person, right time, God had me there. Now I'm listening. And at the end of the report, the person says, well, there's a good Samaritan for you. Comes from our story in the current day vernacular. I love it where sports and God intersect. I love that piece. I love that piece. I do. I love where God and politics intersect. Truly, right? Jesus intersects that kind of stuff. And that was great. It was wonderful. And the guy felt a little bit uncomfortable because he's like, I really didn't want the, I just wanted the guy's life to be saved. So I think that's why he brought the Lord into the conversation there. 
my encouragement to you as we're going through this series is to understand that God does know you. And he does know where you're going to be and what you need. And when he places stuff in us, he knows where we're going to be during that day. That's why I think spending time with the Lord in the morning, at least sometime, with some scripture and some prayer, it fills us up so that we have stuff to share with people. Kind of like the most important meal of the day. What is it, folks? What's the most important meal? What's the most important meal of the day, Jackson? Breakfast! Because it gets you going. So you have strength to start your day out strong. So wonderful to take time with the Lord and reading the Lord and reading the Word and praying early so you have something to share. So here's some practical things. Um, parables are usually given in Scripture to illustrate a point. Not every point in a parable in the Bible is meant to be a theological aha moment. It can be, but typically when Jesus tells a story, he's trying to illustrate something he's saying like he did here. But I saw some things in this one. When the Samaritan is there, like the priest and the Levite, he saw the man, but what did he do that the priest and the Levite did not do? What did he do? Crossed the road and stopped. Okay, he went there. Number two, he's ministering to this guy. Sees him, crosses the road, three ministers to him. Number four, connects him to some resources that he happens to pay for that will help him. And then he says, hey, if you have more need of finances to the innkeeper, you saw that at the end, I'll come back and I'll pay for him. Simple little things. He saw him. He crossed the road to go there. He ministered to that person. He connected them to larger resources so it wasn't just a one-time event. And he stayed in touch. Think about that. That's when who we are as a neighbor, being a good neighbor, being, you know, being that neighbor allows a relationship to have begun that potentially could end up changing the absolute trajectory of that person's life, like my friend Brad back in the day that I was so privileged to be a part of. So God has dropped us down in Sandy, in Eagle Creek, in Milwaukee, in Welches, in Malala, in Beaver Creek. What am I missing? Boring, Damascus, Estacada. He's dropped you where you are. And he's put resources in your heart. And Happy Valley. <laughs> he's put resources in your heart, in your life, that he has intended that different people that you're going to touch are touched with those resources. Some of them are, hey, I think the Lord's saying to me something for you. Someone's like, you're sick, can I pray for you? Hey, you've got a need, can I help out? You don't have enough money as you go through the check stand. Oh, your car's broken down, what can I do? Not saying put yourself in dangerous situations, but I will tell you this. 
In the story, the Samaritan had something in his heart. What was it? He had compassion. And there are times when the compassion of God rises up in your heart. Have you felt it? You walk by somebody and your heart just kind of stays there. You ever felt that? Something's going on there. It doesn't happen with everybody. And I realize, and we do need discernment to know, is that? Yes, it is. Okay. Jesus, even in the midst of this, says, which of the three do you think was a neighbor? The one who had mercy on him. The one who treated him tenderly. The one who had compassion on him. Go and do likewise. I'm convinced of, after preaching sermons like this, that I will immediately have an opportunity to live it out. And I'm convinced of people that hear a sermon like this, that you will immediately have an opportunity to live it out because God's desirous of us becoming more like Christ and being merciful is Christ-like. Amen? Can you pray with me? Lord, thank you for stopping me this week and helping me see a passage differently than I've seen before. Thank you, Lord, for loving us when we were beside the road and we were half dead. Like Joanne said, when, when we didn't even know you and you gave your life for us. And now here we are walking with Christ. Lord, let us remember what it's like to be dependent on a stranger. Let us remember what it's like to be dependent on someone and like, how am I going to get through this? Where's that money going to come from? How am I going to feed my three kids? How am I going to make it through this hard thing? You brought us through that, Lord. And now there's other people wondering how they're going to get through us through it. Bring us next to them. Help us to have the right word. Help us to have the right smile, compassion, notice, resources, connecting them to someone else that maybe can do what we can't. Help us, Lord, to be merciful. Hey, as we're praying, if you're in a situation where you need, you need God's mercy and you need the mercy of others, I'm not going to call you out. I'm just going to pray for you. Would you just lift your hand and say, man, I am in a place where I need mercy. You do that. Yeah, that's good. Not calling you out. It's good. Church, can you pray with me for these? Lord, we pray for those that need mercy. They need an intersection of resources. They need an intersection of compassion, friendship. They don't need to be judged or marginalized, Lord. They just need you and us. Would you take down the walls that might be there and flood them, Lord, like you flooded Renee, like you flooded Joanne. Lord, flood them with your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. So we love God with all our... And we love our neighbor. Yeah, and we get to be a neighbor. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Pastor Sam.